We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. The Bills make me wanna. First off, Tyrod, uh, I'm really. Uh, hope he hope that's a great situation for him. Uh, I will root for Tyrod the rest of his career, other than when he's playing the Bills. Um, I think he's in a good spot. In my conversations with John Dorsey, they were super excited for what he was going to bring, and I thought it was important to put him for us to be fair to him and put him in a spot uh, that they were going to surround him with talent. So uh, I just want to say publicly, you know, thanks to Tyrod for for his efforts here, and we wish him the best. I actually spoke to Hugh Jackson. Uh, the night before we signed him, uh, texted with two other coaches of his that I that I know, and the one word that they told me about AJ that got me fired up was competitor. We watched every throw of his and what he did, and, and thought he did some real good things. Thought, thought he's got upside, and um, that's what he'll do. He'll come in here. We got him and Nathan right now on the roster, and those two guys will compete, and you know we'll see what else help, happens between now and, and that first game. Everybody to another edition of the Rockpile Report. I am your host, Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and that was Brandon Bean from BuffaloBills.com. Oh, that, folks, is an exercise in how to talk out of the corner of your mouth. <laughs> I really hope it's a good situation for him. <laughs> it's, I imagine he had a smirk on his face as he said it. <laughs> he's, he's, he van damned it. He said it with the straightest... Jean-Claude Van Damme face that you could. I really hope. You shipped him off to the elephant graveyard of football. That's what you did. You hope it's a good situation for him? I mean, come on, Bean. Let's see. But, but hey, what more do you expect? This is the season of saying things that don't matter. It's before the draft. Nothing you say matters, right? Coaches, GMs, none of it matters. No. Nope. It's all bullshit. It's all smoke screens and... Ugh, just nonsense. Nobody's going to give you a straight answer on anything. Guys, we have so much to talk about tonight. We've got free agency recap. We've got... Reed Ferguson. We've got long snapper Reed Ferguson joining us. We've got a lot of ground to cover, but i got to start 
I, I, I hate to start the podcast off on a harsh note, but let's just kick this thing off with the Bills news update. First item on the docket, fuck the New Jersey Jets. No, 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 Chris, I mean it. Fuck these jerk-offs. Because they play in New Jersey? To the team and its fans, I say this to you with the utmost sincerity. Go to hell, you no-left-hand-turning, snooky-loving, pork-roll-induced, heart-attack-having dirtbags. Okay? It's bad enough that your only meaningful contributions to modern society are fake tans, faker-sounding accents, and a love of velour tracksuits. Now you pull this shit? I already hated your football team in the same way that they must hate your godforsaken state. I mean, think about it. They've refused to acknowledge their connection with New Jersey over the state of New York. They're still clinging to a place where they don't even play anymore versus acknowledging to the rest of the world that they play in your godforsaken borders. Okay? But this is a bridge too far for me, Chris. It's too far. Saturday morning, I was happy. Okay? I felt good about the things that are going around, going on with the football team, about the Bills' prospects of trading up, landing one of the better quarterback prospects. You know, I, I felt good about everything. I mean, I was at a damn parade with my fiance, watching horses, the sun was shining. For Buffalo, it was a warm day. The beer was ice cold, and everything was right with the world. And then I find out that these douchebags have gone and pissed away a year's worth of, multiple years worth of second round draft picks to move up just three spots in the draft. Chris, are you fucking kidding me? Three spots. I text Kyle Smith, uh, formerly of AFC East Bros podcast. I told him, hey man, love, because we don't know what the Giants are going to do. I said, you know, barring that, excellent trade for you guys. What? What? Oh, it's a terrible trade. No, it's not. I mean, Chris. They're ba- they're banking on the Giants taking somebody else, and then they get either uh, Rosen or Darnold, and they get their even, franchise guy. I don't even think they know what they're banking on. I mean, I get it, Chris. I get it. Let me let me read to you a list of names. Jay Samaro, Devin Smith, Stephen Hill, Vlad Dacos, Gino, somehow not better than E.J. Manuel Smith, Christian, danger to sideline reporters everywhere, Hackenberg. The Jets are so bad at drafting in the second round that I guess they've just decided to finally give them all away. That that's a better usage of them than just drafting friggin' players. The move impacts the Bills because it it, it takes away a potential trade-up candidate for the Bills, removes them from the equation. And it absolutely inflates the price that the Bills would have to pay if they do indeed intend on trading up into the top, now the top two. Doesn't matter. So as to land their quarterback of the future and possibly, at the same time, avoid the possibility of having the second most talented quarterback in the division playing for an annual rival. I mean, it's they grossly overpaid to move up what amounts to three spots. The Colts are laughing all the way to the podium with those second-round picks. What a bunch of dickheads. And I'm not the only one who hates this idea. This is what Colin Cowherd had to say on the subject on his show this week. I was for a team moving up like Buffalo. 
because they had additional picks. I was for a team like Arizona moving up. I'm not a big fan of the Jets moving up. Now, I know they need a quarterback, but here's the problem. They didn't move ahead of the Giants. Now, the Giants haven't, over the last month, given us any inclination they want a quarterback. I think the Giants need a quarterback. They don't need him next year. They have Eli. I think they like Josh Rosen. And I also think the Jets like Josh Rosen. And I believe Josh Rosen is the second best quarterback. And I think New York Jets or Giants is a great fit for him. But the Jets moved up and they still have the Giants in front of them. And my question becomes, if you're the New York Giants, do you let your in-town rival take a franchise quarterback who you also like, but you're a little reluctant to draft him because the blowback on Eli Manning last year was pretty severe. The other thing I don't like is by doing this move, the Jets showed their hand. They could have had a deal in principle with Indianapolis and not shown their hand. But by showing their hand, they give the Giants now weeks and weeks to prepare for a move. It also makes the number two pick really valuable because we know Cleveland's taking the quarterback at one, and we know the Jets are taking the quarterback at three. So for those teams like Arizona and Denver and Buffalo that want a quarterback, it gives the Giants a ton of leverage. Colin Cowherd, Fox Sports Radio. I I don't really necessarily believe that Dave Gettleman is looking at this like, oh, the Jets traded up to three right behind us. We're going to take who we think they're going to take. That's not how that works. I don't think Gettleman gives a, gives a rip what the Jets are doing. Concern yourself with only what you're doing and... This is Buffalo's got to trade up to the second spot, no but, questions it, asked. But but that's my point. It forces their hand, and it also grossly inflates the price from where a reasonable trade to that level would have been. Because but you get your franchise quarterback. Fucking idiots! You get your franchise quarterback. <sighs> the only silver lining, okay, is this: we're talking about the New York Jets. Okay, there are rumors going around that by signing McCown and Bridgewater to contracts, the Jets might not actually be targeting a quarterback at all but simply want to position themselves to get the best non-quarterback available in the draft. You know, like a Saquon Barkley. Should both the Giants and Browns decide to take the quarterbacks in the first round? NFL Network's own Sean O'Hara says he can't see them taking a quarterback at all. I retweeted it. Go to our Twitter feed at Rockpile Report and check it out. And while that's a notion so stupid that you'd have, you have to have thought that former Browns GM Sashi Brown was the one who came up with it. I mean, we're talking about the New York Jets here, Chris. You want to put a? You want to go Seagrams on this? I don't want to bet on anything Jets related unless it's the Bills beating them, or the state of New Jersey detaching from the rest of the Union and sinking into the ocean like fucking Atlantis. Because I'll root for that until the day that I'm dead. That and Rhode Island. That sounds. Those two states can go fuck themselves. That sounds like uh, you uh, know that I'm right. That if they. Land Darnold or Rosen, their franchise quarterback, and they hit on them. They're going to be a pain in our ass for the you next 12 to 15 years. Your mouth. I, I'll tell you right. I'll, if you want to go Seagram's on it, if they, I will could, not, sir. I will not. I'll, I'll let me lay out the bet. No, me, no, because I don't care about the bet because I'm not betting on these douchebags. They're not worth it. Rosen or Darnold, if they get either one of them, they're going to be the next you know. team. They're going to be the next team to win the division other than New England. And I'm telling you, I'm not betting on them. Because, like I said, hopefully that's a free bet for any of our listeners that want to take that. They'll all have hit. They'll all have either come at me, bro, or drowned as it broke off and sank into the Atlantic. Ultimately, when you get down to brass tacks, 
regardless of how the trade turns out or ends up impacting the Bills, it's just another shining example of why I'll never be able to go more than a full calendar year without finding a reason to dislike that franchise. I mean, Chris, raise your glass. Here is to hoping that McCagn, McCagnin, whatever the fuck his name is with his stupid glasses. And he looks his like dumb Tom Simitowski from Office Space. He does. Here's to hoping that he butt fumbles on his way to the friggin' phone with the pick when the Jets are on the clock come April. Falls down the stairs directly onto Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen, and all of them end up in the morgue. I'll see them and the rest of you jerks from New Jersey in hell. I tell you all to go back to Hoboken, but today even that dump is too good for you. Hell of a rant to start to show. All right. I'm going to calm down now. Yeah, Goose Raba. Goose Raba. I'm going to yeah, take Goose a Raba. Now, going back to our intro, if you've listened to either our coach or GM at any point since their hiring, Ambien. You know that they are walking Ambien. A lot of what they they are the masters of saying almost nothing, even while sounds are coming out of their mouths. Thus, it's not hard to believe that. Bean would be a master in terms of draft time smoke screens. Okay? Now, you heard him in the intro talking about how he wished his quarterback the best of luck. And I think that on some level he probably believes that that's how he feels. But if he genuinely felt that way, he would have traded him anywhere else but the Browns, given the fact that they're an 0-16 football team. Like, even with all the draft capital in the world and all the quarterback trades and everything else they could do, Next year is going to be shit for the Cleveland Browns. You're not looking at a 10-win roster, right, Chris? You're uh, not. That's not that, I don't know. Let me talk to my uh, Browns consultant, Nate Geary, you don't and we'll go, get back yeah, to you. You don't go 0-16 and 16 and then suddenly rebound with a 10-win campaign. I, I'd say 8 what a, wins is a stretch. What did the Rams do? They went 4-12 and 12 under Jeff Fisher and then went, what, 11-5 and 5 yeah, under McVay? Yeah, so McVay? that's a 7-win improvement. So maybe seven and nine is that team's ceiling if they do everything right, and it turns out Hugh Jackson is actually a good coach. He is a good has, coach, which has yet to present itself. It presented itself in Oakland. He has one career win. He has one career victory as a head coach. No, he doesn't. He was a head coach in Oakland. You dumbass. That, fuck, that doesn't count. I'm talking about as the coach of that team. So when I look at the things that Brandon Bean says, I t- I've I've already figured out that I have to take it with a grain of salt. And that brings us to our next point, is that the smoke screens coming out of one Bill's drive aren't going to stop, so stop getting worked up about it. After moving up to the 12th pick, Brandon Bean was asked about his plans to draft a quarterback. And hilariously, Bean said that they didn't have a favorite, and that they were still in quote-unquote fact-finding mode. He's full of shit. <laughs> I mean, it, it's laughable when you consider how much work amateur pundits have done to this point in the season. They know the guys that certain teams should want. So it, 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 it's, it's horseshit to sit here and think that there's paid professionals who don't have this pegged already at this point in the season. Now, after the Jets trade up to number three, Bean was again put on the spot by Sports Illustrated's Peter King, where he had this to say. The truth? Most of these quarterbacks I've only spent 15 minutes with. I haven't spent enough time to have an opinion about any of them yet. Honestly, I actually sent a little note to our scouts yesterday. We got six weeks to get our board together. I'm not there yet, knowing if we can or will move up again. I want head coach Sean McDermott to get to know all of them. 
We're just keeping an open mind. Where we're at, we've got the picks, we've got the draft capital. I'm not ready to pull the trigger. He's so full of shit. You know, you know what you've seen in the quarterbacks on tape. Now, and it just comes down to their personality in the interview process. Well, but then and who they get to meet. With. Whoa, 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 whoa! But then, before the dust could even begin to settle on those words, Dan Patrick announced on his Monday morning podcast that he had it on good authority. The Bills have been in touch with the Cleveland Browns about trading up to the number one pick in the draft. This sent the internet into a frenzy. But that too was short-lived. When you think how quickly, I think it was, Chris, what was it? An hour, maybe two, before one Bills drive officially made a statement saying they have completely refuting the claim, saying that they, they were not in touch with the Browns regarding the number one pick and that that was misinformation. Yeah, of course, because that's not going to be brought up when you're making a trade Tyrod Taylor for 65 overall. <laughs> of course you wouldn't bring up the number one pick in those conversations. No. No. Jesus. So the question is, where the hell does this all leave us? Well, it leaves us exactly where we started, not knowing a friggin' thing. And if you're surprised by any of that, I have to wonder if you've ever paid attention during the NFL pre-draft process at all before in your life. This is what this season is all about. You don't tip your hand. In fact, if anything, if the New York Jets fucked up anywhere, I think the most egregious one was they you know, they were playing chicken with the Colts. The Colts, uh, by, by all accounts, put them on notice and said, hey, there's another team that's going to take this trade. And if you don't do it right now, give us all of these second-round picks and give us a pick that's still in the top ten. We're going to pull the trigger and go somewhere else. They played chicken with the Jets, and the Jets blinked. Hey, that's my take on it. Because in reality, now you now the Jets don't have the draft capital to move up any farther. They're done. They're stuck at three. You've now tipped your hand to the rest of the NFL saying, look, I want to get up there because I think that number three is going to be high enough to where I want this this player that I covet. There's this, You don't move up to that pick without having a specific player in mind. The Eagles didn't move up to number two without knowing. You could tell me everything, oh, well, it was going to either be Goff or Wentz. No. They knew full well that Wentz was going to be number two, that the Rams were going to take. Because there's nothing, the Rams don't, you know, I mean, the teams at the top of the draft, if they're talking to the teams underneath them about the guys that they don't, you know, hey, I'm only going to take this guy. Once you've made that trade, there's no secrets. You know, and I'm sure there was some back-channeling involved with that Rams-Eagles situation taking quarterbacks one and two. Each team decided who they wanted, and that's why the Eagles made the move up, because they knew. They're like, okay, we can go to two and comfortably know that our guy is still going to be there. The problem with the Jets is that you made your move here way before the draft. Yeah, but you don't know what the Giants are going to do. Well, but this is They're the banking on the Giants not doing a thing and, and holding it. the pick. You've given other teams time to back channel around you that's it or what are they that what are they more meaningful than anything else that we're going to talk about whether it's rumors coming out of one bill's drive whether that's why i'm saying the bills are doing the right thing by just okay we've hit we we, we did what the eagles did we did we had the initial trade up the draft board now we're within striking distance of a top pick so now you you play your cards coat close to the vest and you evaluate everything as it comes. You continue to back channel with different GMs and you find out what it's you know what it's gonna cost. 
I bet you there's probably a situation where, Chris, if I were to come to you five weeks before I know that if you, you, you have a car, let me put this into an equation that you can maybe understand. Because I do have a car. You want to sell your vehicle, okay? And you know that in six weeks, you have to sell it if that's genuinely what you want to do. You'll keep it if you have to, but you're trying to sell it. You would very much like to because you know you could get more for it than you owe on it. I come along and I make you an offer. And you tell me, no, 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 I want twice your offer. And I say, okay, rather than blink now, I'm going to wait. And I'm going to take this thing closer to the wire because I'm hoping that that deadline is going to make you a little more desperate and at least a little more willing to slide a trade back in a direction that's favorable towards me. Right? That sounds about right. Okay. But but you would never buy a Mazda. Well, no. Fuck no. I would never drive a Mazda. Are you kidding me? I'll never not drive a truck. You're out of your damn mind. You drive an Altima. I did drive an Altima. And I'll tell you, the moment I set foot in a truck... I said never again. Never again. Pick up truck forever. Now, having said that, I think that we're at a place here with the Buffalo Bills. They're in a good spot still. Don't panic. But also don't believe every bit of you know nonsense floating around on the internet that you see. I know we're all desperate for it. Don't overreact, guys, because it just makes us all look foolish and feel foolish in the end. Okay? So everybody, take a deep breath. Goose. Goose. (laughs) Now, folks, I'm a little bit calm now that I've got all of that off my chest. And we are blessed. We we have a guest joining us tonight. We're going to blow off some steam and talk to an old friend of the show. He don't like almonds, and he loves sweet baby rays. I'd like to put some barbecue sauce on that button. He doesn't swear. Funky butt loving. Buffalo Bills long snapper Reed Ferguson. Dude, I totally miss you. I really fucking miss you. Dude, we got less than a month, and you're back here in Buffalo. Can't wait. Reed, how are you doing tonight? Drew, I am doing phenomenal. Thanks for having me on. Oh, of course, man. No, I, I, I'm telling you, I miss, I miss talking to you because I'll tell you, you're a calming presence around here. Around <laughs> these parts, you really are. So what, I appreciate it. I got to ask the question, what have you been doing with yourself this offseason? I mean, a, a guy like you, I feel like you, and I think I saw some stuff on social media, you get up to a lot of different things. What have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Well, um, you know, I, I do like to travel, so I've been doing a little bit of traveling. Went to uh, Houston um, a couple weeks ago for the uh, MLS opening weekend. Went down and saw Atlanta's team play uh, in Houston, uh, so that was fun. Went down there with my brother Blake. We drove from Baton Rouge to Houston. Um, and then last week I went down to Louisiana again for uh, sort of like a mission trip deal. Uh, to Angola Prison, uh, Louisiana State Penitentiary, and then spent a few days uh, with Blake in Baton Rouge after that. But, uh, yeah, just kind of trying to relax, stay uh, working out, and doing a little bit of traveling, doing what I enjoy. Now, hang on. Now, you just said you were visiting a prison. Why don't you talk to me a little bit more about that? Because that <laughs> you you went to a prison. Well, what was that all about? Uh, yeah, so basically our team chaplain, uh, Lynn Vandenboss, he's been, uh, he came in with the new coaching staff last spring. Uh, he was in Chicago for 
uh, a good while, and the church that he uh, partnered with in Chicago, Willow Creek uh, Church, they had a group of people um, that Lynn got together, and then he got a few NFL guys uh, together. There was, um, I don't know, probably seven or eight guys that uh, – some current bills, some some guys free agents, uh, and then one guy from Chicago and one guy from uh, New Orleans. And we kind of all went down as a big group, and we we met in uh, St. Francisville uh, last Monday night, had uh, a kind of an opening dinner. And then two, all day Tuesday and most of the day Wednesday, we were uh, basically in, in the prison uh, ministering to, uh, you know, all of the different religious groups that are inside the prison, uh, you know, basically all the inmates. What? That's intense. That's awesome. So you guys are really getting out there. and I guess when I, when I picture what you guys are doing, I, I mean, I guess, so you're there, you're at the, you're at the prison, you're talking to these guys. That's got to be... That's got to be a crazy experience. I mean, you've only you spent your what two years now in the NFL. How old are you, Reed? Uh, twenty three, twenty four on Saturday, so it's coming fast. Twenty four on Saturday. Well, hey, happy early birthday! Happy early birthday from the Rock Pile Report. So you're twenty four years looking, old. I, I'm looking forward to uh, some some Rock Pile Report stickers in the mail. <laughs> oh, they're coming. So. You were there ministering to people who were kind of just in the jail, just, you know, I'm, I'm assuming most of them are probably older than you, correct? Yeah, and, you know, we weren't just ministering to, you know, people that, you know, don't, aren't a part of a religion, but as well as, I mean, there is a, there's a strong, a very strong religious presence in that prison, in the, in the prison itself, um, and that kind of is what sparked the turnaround from it being, it, I mean, it was, it was well known as the most bloodiest, the bloodiest prison, uh, you know, in the United States about uh, all the way up until 25, about 25 years ago. And then they, they got a new warden. He kind of turned everything around, starting, started, you know, bringing religion and Christianity into, into the prison, installing it in these guys' minds. And it's really turned around, you know, basically the outlook from the inside of the prison, what, you know, what those inmates, uh, you know, from a day-to-day basis, you know, they're, they're in there, you know, most of them are in there for life. You know, mm-hmm. I think I said 85% of the guys are in there for the rest of their lives without parole. So, you know, kind of the cliche thing that we were saying, you know, trying to get our point across all weekend is trying to bring hope to a hopeless place. So, um, you know, that, that's really what we were trying to do. Man, I'll tell you, for somebody who's almost a decade younger than me, I respect the hell out of you. And I really do. That takes balls to go in there and try to do something like that. I was going to ask you, is this like a a common thing for people to, like, I guess to go, like, visit the prison in the sense that you, in the way that you went to visit? Um, I... You know, common. I don't. You know, I don't know how common it is, but um, our, te- you know, our team chaplain Lynn has. This is the third. I believe this is the third year that he's made this trip, and the group. Ke- I mean, he, he keeps saying the group keeps on getting bigger and bigger each year. So, um, you know, he goes down there twice a year. You know, once with a big group. We go. You know, we're going to go in March um, every year, and then he goes down again over the summer to kind of. Um, check back up with the guys, but um, yeah. So, you know, I don't. I'm not. I'm not really familiar with how 
you know, common it is, I guess, in other places. But, um, you know, I, I, I do know that people visit Angola and, and, you know, leave with a little bit different outlook on life. Now, is this something that we can expect you to be doing every year? Are you going to go visit in the same sense that you were just there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think so. You know, it's kind of an open invitation, you know, now that, now that we've been, uh, you know, now that the guys that who went this year um, are kind of always welcome from now on. And, you know, that's kind of the sense that, that Lynn got across to us. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's something that I, I, I'm, I'm now looking forward to, you know, every offseason, every opportunity that I have, uh, you know, as long as I can keep playing. That's fantastic, man. I'll, I'll tell you. I guess that's one of the things that I, I, I'm always so interested in when it comes to what players do with their free time and when they do decide to do things like that. Like when you decide to reach out to other people and you want to go take time out of your day, you don't have to, you don't need to, but you do. You're trying to help other people. When you do it, it's like one of those things that, I don't know, like <laughs> you're such a young guy and you're trying to minister to people who are probably, in some cases, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years your senior. It's just, it's, you're older. I've said it before to Larissa. I've said it before to Chris. You are much older than, you're an old soul. <laughs> you're an old soul, right? <laughs> so with that said, what else do you have going on this uh, this off season? Anything else? Any other events you're looking forward to, or is there yeah, anything? Yeah, you only big? got you only got a month left. With a month left before you have to report uh, no. back, is there anything big on the horizon that you uh, you got on the docket? Uh, well, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday morning, I'm leaving for Washington D.C. Uh, I'll be um, going there for all day Wednesday and most of the day Thursday. Uh, I'll be flying there with my brother Blake, uh, who's at LSU, as you guys know, um, and he is type one diabetic. So we are basically uh, going to DC with a group uh, from the American uh, Diabetes Association, and we it's they have a it's an annual event called the Call to Congress, and it's a group group it's it's a group of NFL guys, but the the people who run or the, I guess the the lady who runs the sports and entertainment side of the American Diabetes Association reached out to Blake because he's a spokesperson for kind of for the NCAA in terms of the whole, you know, the diabetes mm-hmm. direction of, of yeah. everything. So she reached out to him, found out that, you know, I was his brother and that I played and, you know, and invited me to be a part of it. Uh, so, you know, I, I greatly appreciated that, but I told Blake that I'd be more than happy to make the trip with him. So, Basically, it's, you know, a group of, I think, 20 of us, and we are going to go uh, Thursday morning, and we're going to basically for about four hours, I believe, we're going to talk to different congressmen and basically push for uh, more funding um, to move towards diabetes research uh, to try and find a cure uh, because there's a lot, lot, lot of money um, that goes towards disease and, and cancer research and all that kind of stuff, but diabetes kind of gets uh, pushed to the side. So uh, we're going to go up there, you know, with a little bit of a mission and, uh, and, and try to get something, try to get something worked out. Listen, I'm a guy who has diabetes that runs through my family. It's half the reason for those of listeners who don't know, I used to be 348 pounds. Okay. 
And at my heaviest, my do- I was 19 years old. My doctor sat me down. I was in college, and I couldn't walk up the first. I, I had a second. My, my, my dorm room was on the second floor of my building, and I couldn't climb that flight of stairs without breaking out in a sweat. And my doctor sat me down and said, look, you've got heart disease, but most importantly, you've got diabetes that runs through your family. Like, you've got multiple people in your family tree with diabetes. Are you insane? You're 348 pounds, and you're not even trying to do anything about it. And that was the wake-up call I needed. To do. And now I walk around at about 224 pounds. And you still got tits. <laughs> but the fact is, is that it, diabetes is a real thing. And it, it when when you're afflicted with it, sometimes it's manageable. Sometimes... I've I, just this past weekend, St. Patty's Day Parade, a close friend of mine, their family was the grand got named as the grand marshal in the parade in South Buffalo. And he couldn't make it. The guy who was supposed to be the grand marshal because he's losing limbs to diabetes. He's in the hospital in the presidential suite right now after losing limbs to diabetes. So this is a very real thing. And read, you know, good for you guys for getting out there and getting out in front of it. Now, as far as Bill's talk goes, got to ask you, I'm sure you've been kind of keeping an eye on some of the free agency happenings around the team. What Are there any signings of these? You know, I know you work with a lot with the special teams unit. Any of these guys that you know, or are there any signings that you're excited about? You know, anything that just kind of from what you see from a special team standpoint? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think I saw today that we re-signed uh, Ramon Humber. Um, you know, he's a he's a great guy on special teams, always knows what to do, flying around the field and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw we signed two linemen yesterday. I think it was yesterday, uh, Bodine and Newhouse. Um, you know, heard pretty good things about both of them. Looking forward to meeting those guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, all the guys that we're going to bring in, you know, you got to you got to as a as a player, you know, being in the locker room, you know, we we have to put full trust, you know, that that Coach McDermott and Brandon Bean are, uh, you know, bringing in the right guys for the locker room, the right guys for the team. So, you know, I can't wait to meet these guys. I'm sure they're, you know, they're hard workers. You know, they're they're going to put it all out on the field. So, uh, yeah, I mean, looking forward to meeting these guys and getting to work in a few weeks. Now, uh, since free agency just ended. And if <laughs> this is free agency just ended. Allegedly, for the for the the Fairweather fans like me that only know the first na- first <laughs> wave of names, you know we will have free agency next year. And if I'm not mistaken, your contract is up after this year. Have you had uh, talks yet with Buffalo? Uh, no, and I think the way that my contract language has worked out, um, I think. Uh, they will have to. I won't be an unrestricted free agent. I'll I'll be uh, basically restricted uh, in a sense, and they would have to uh, believe they'd have to offer me some type of tender. So I uh, haven't gotten there yet. Probably be uh, probably take care of that after the season. Now I I have no doubt that that's going to happen. Considering your I mean I'm I'm telling you, watching. Long snapper statistics was never a thing I even knew about until I started hanging out with you. So, kudos to you for opening my eyes to that avenue of football. But well, plus if you you've get, done exceptionally well, my friend. Plus, if you get a good long snapper, you don't you get rid of them. Generally, hang on to them. Long snapper is one of those jobs that you just 
you see these guys, they kind of stick around franchises for a while, and hopefully you're here for a long time. I guess the last question I have for you, are there any guys pers- that you know personally, whether it's through college, ex-Bills players, that you you know watched kind of bounce around the free agency landscape that you're excited for? And maybe some undrafted guys who finally got recognized for it. I don't know. But, I mean, what do you think? What do you think as a whole as far as free agency is going? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny you asked that question. Uh, I think we were, uh, or had, had in for a visit uh, Kevin Minter today. Um, you know, I played with him at LSU my freshman year. He's from Georgia. Uh, great, great dude. Really, really hard worker, and he's a good player too. So uh, he had a few good years out in, out in uh, Arizona, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. and then Cincinnati. So, uh, you know, hate to hate to see Preston go to the Bengals, but um, – you know, I think Kevin would be a great guy for the team, so I'd like to see him in there for sure. Fantastic. Reed, we always love talking to you. Can't wait to see you back around these yeah. parts. Where uh where can we A, where can we find you on Twitter? And then secondly, I asked I sent you a text about this uh last <laughs> week. Uh can we give out we want to give out your Xbox handle because uh not only were you the number one long snapping recruit out of high school but at least from what I saw when you lived here a year ago, you seem to be pretty good at FIFA. So if any of our listeners want to challenge Reed at FIFA, where can they find you on the on, on Xbox? Uh, yeah, so it's going to be the same the same handle I guess for Twitter and Xbox. Uh, Snapflow fifty, all one word. Um, and I, sh- I, I, you know, 50 was my college number, but so I should probably change that to uh, my current number. But uh, yeah, I'll just, let, I'll just let it let it ride for a little bit. But uh, yeah, Snapflow 50, um, you know, come challenge me. Always up for uh, a little fun banter for sure. When he talks about fun banter, guys, be- he's going to he's going to crush you, and he's not going to make fun of you because he does he can't cuss. The guy doesn't cuss. So what you're going to get is some very polite smack talk. As he's as he's pummeling you in FIFA. That is that is spot on. <laughs> Reed, it's a pleasure talking to you, brother. I can't wait to see you. You can always follow Reed at Snapflow50 on Twitter, and I do hope that one of our listeners challenges him to a game of FIFA on Xbox, and they see how fucking good Reed is at FIFA. Are you FIFA. sure he doesn't play PlayStation? No, he's got an Xbox. Okay. Did he live with you? <clears throat> no. I didn't think so. I know these <laughs> things. All right? He loves his Xbox, Xbox, and he's surprisingly really good at FIFA. Folks, you know what I love? I love NFL free agency. This is like this is like Christmas. You know, your team gets something shiny and new, some new part that you throw in. And then don't worry, it's going to break in August. And, well, and that's <laughs> it. And then sometimes your team gets a box of coal, and you're like, oh, shit, what did we just do? NFL free agency is it's the Wild West these days. Team, the salary cap has continued to rise, but players' salaries, especially at some different positions, have been kind of forced down over the years. The running back position has been paying less. The wide receiver position is paying grossly more than it should. So it's always interesting to think about where you land you know, across those lines. Last week we had Mario Granada on. We talked about a lot of different options that were going to be coming up in the, in the free agency period. Fuck that guy and his Kia. (laughs) So this week, I want to talk about that. I want to spend some time focusing on what was the first week of NFL free agency and just kind of our reactions to it. Now, 
First and foremost, I want to start off with what I thought were the best signings of the week. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I'm going to start this list off with quarterback Kirk Cousins. The game changer, fully guaranteed. Signs the Vikings on a three-year deal for $84 million fully guaranteed. Now, this signing is great to me because it's one of the first of its kind. It's incredibly interesting. First, there's just the structure itself. I mean, we speculated last week because I'd seen tweets about it. Three-year contracts were going to be in vogue this year because players are opting not to tie themselves to teams long-term given how rapidly positional pay has increased at a lot of skill positions, and also given that four years from now, a new CBA is going to be in place and that the players don't want to be tied down until they know what that new CBA is going to bring for guys on the free agent market, you know how the franchise tag is going to work, all of this stuff. It also gives Cousins another bite at the free agency apple in just three years. I mean, he's... Chris... Was he going to be 31, 32? 32, 33. He'll, be at the, he'll still be at the low end of his prime. So it gives him another... And when you consider how rapidly quarterback pay has inflated in the last few years... And then factor in the, a could, new CBA. He could still be making a shitload of money three years from now on another, on another free agent deal. Yeah, just think about it. Three, what, he's the highest paid quarterback right now? Right now, yeah. And then in three years, he'll be... The highest-paid quarterback again. The highest-paid quarterback again. Then there's the fact that it's fully guaranteed. I mean, generally speaking, that is the only silver lining for players who have been franchise tagged. You sign the tag, you you have no control, but you get all of your money in lieu of a long-term agreement that paid more, and based on the camp implications, means that for at least the first few years of your long-term contract, your position is safe. This contract gives Cousins the best of both worlds. Think about it. The team didn't have to do that, but it did because it wanted Cousins that badly. And then there's just the fit. In my opinion, the Vikings are arguably an above-average quarterback away from consistently contending to win the NFC North. The Packers last season, got their roster got exposed. They had a flawed roster with no Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they played great football, but every game that Aaron, every game that they won with Aaron Rodgers there was still because Aaron Rodgers won a firefight with some other team. Yeah. It wasn't because their Aaron, defense was great. It wasn't because their running game somehow established itself. That'll happen when you have a great quarterback. He masks other deficiencies on your roster. However, Brett Hundley did beat the Browns. Did beat the Browns. So barely, let's give him some barely credit. Barely beat the Browns. Then you've got the Bears. The Bears are still rebuilding their roster around Mitch Trubisky. You know, last year was a rookie quarterback. And the Lions have this roster that somehow always, no matter how much money they spend, is always never a complete roster. It's always kind of, you know, it's mediocre on defense, mediocre on offense, good quarterback. What does that do for you? I'll tell you what it doesn't is win a fucking playoff game. Which to this point, Matt Matt Stafford's career. Yeah, but how about this? Matt Stafford is making 120 something million dollars, and he has as many playoff wins as Tyrod Taylor. And I would still pay him that money. That's fucking pathetic, though. So, in my opinion, when I look at that division, I say the Vikings, they are the most complete from top to bottom roster in that division. Their offensive line has been retooled, and it's good. Their running game with Delvin Cook when he's healthy, that kid is dynamic. Okay, so they have a rushing attack. They have an offensive line. And their defense is one of the best in the NFL. 
they are a sl- with Kirk Cousins, they very well could win a Super Bowl. No, I don't think so. I, I think they could at least compete for it. Should we make a Seagram's bet? All right. The Vikings will at least advance to the divisional round of the NFC playoffs this year. That is the stupidest bet I've ever heard Injuries of. Injuries aside, all these things. You're just talking about them competing for the Super Bowl. When you put that in your mouth and smoke it, did they get to a Super Bowl? Fine. Super Bowl appearance. In the next three years. In the next three years. Done. Bang! There you go. You got your Seagram's bet fixed. You, you're a glutton for punishment. Folks, Chris so has, you, you were challenging somebody on Twitter Chris, to a Seagram's Chris has literally, about basketball. Chris, I just want you guys to know, Chris has only won like three Seagram's bets this year. He's lost all of them. So you'd think he'd stop making them, but no, he continues to challenge No, because I think I got a chance. I think the NFC has <laughs> way better quarterbacks. I think it's just because you like that fruity nonsense. Now that brings me to my next uh, <laughs> my, my next good signing. Tyron Matthew, defensive back, formerly of Arizona, signs with the Texans on a one-year, $7 million contract. I wanted him in the draft. For I, I know. I like the signing not so much because of the price tag. I think it's a little bit much, but because the Texans' D. I mean, you think about what the Texans are. With Deshaun Watson last year, they were, they were I mean, he was going to break records if he had stayed healthy for touchdowns scored in a game. On the defensive side of the ball, their front seven has always been stout. J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, um, the, uh, what is it, Merciless Watt, and what's his face? Brian Cushing. Uh, no, 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 no. Former number one overall pick, Jadavian Clowney. Oh, yeah, With that guy. With those three guys, their front seven's unstoppable when it comes to the pass rush department. They harass. They're great against the run. They do all kinds of stuff. But their secondary hasn't really had a playmaker. You know, A.J. Bowie left the Houston and went on a free agent deal to the Jaguars last season. Even he, as a good coverage corner, wasn't a quote-unquote playmaker. Tyron Matthew, when he's healthy, is one of the most dynamic defensive backs in football. I like that about him. His injury history is scary, and the fact that he took him longer than anticipated to come back from that. But this is what I'll say. Matthew on a one-year prove-it deal is a solid get for the Texans, and if he comes back to form, that defense could be terrifying. In an AFC South that is all of a sudden very competitive. Very competitive. But with the quarterback play they were getting from Deshaun Watson, there's no reason they can't compete in that division now. If their defense stays stout and if Watson can stay healthy. Another great move. Defensive tackle Mo Wilkerson, formerly of the New York Jets. Packers on a one-year, $5 million deal. Chris, if I told you that a guy who just signed a five-year extension and then got cut the next season would take a one-year, $5 million deal. That's because he's got he's uh, bad, bad in the locker room. The, that well, would be my guess. But that's coaching. Okay, so you coach that guy up. You, 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 well, no, his personality. He's bad, he's bad in the locker room. I mean, this it's, signing is – the reason I like it is because it's a classic, you know – Troubled vet, still in his prime, landing on a team with a desperate need. Yet they didn't overpay. I mean, Mo Wilkerson at $5 million a year, Chris. Marcel Darius is still making $16 million a year on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that guy couldn't hold Mo Wilkerson's jockstrap. Okay? He's one, he was one of my favorite players in football. But to see Mo Wilkerson making a third of what Darius is is absurd to me. That's a home run for the Packers franchise. 
And then staying with the defensive tackle position, Daquan Jones. Sticking with the Titans on a three-year, $7 million a year deal, $21 million in total. Considering how good that guy was against both the run and the pass, and seeing what other defensive tackles have signed for, retaining him for less than market average is a win for the Titans. I mean, not a lot has gone their way recently. I mean, you had a... Yes, you went on the road and won a, won a game in Kansas City, and then still your coach got fired. Your coach still got fired for that. That's because it was Mike Malarkey. And the best thing that happened in that game was that your quarterback somehow threw a touchdown pass to himself. Like, that was it. That was the only good thing going on for you there. You know, this defensive tackle was out with an injury, and their run defense suffered because of it. So, considering that, I think it's a solid get for them. Like I said, they're paying far less than market average on an annual basis for what is a pretty solid defensive tackle. Now, that brings me to what I think are some of the worst signings of the week. How dumb do you think I am? I'm going to start off with left tackle Nate Solder. Went to the Giants, four years, $62 million, $15.5 million per year. I mean, I understand. The the Giants haven't gotten good offensive line play in what seems like forever. They haven't been able to run the ball. And Manning has just been harassed in the pocket for the majority of the last few seasons. Anytime they play a team who has speed rushers. I mean, the first round Eric Flo- first round pick Eric Flowers. The guy simply hasn't panned out as an NFL caliber left tackle. Having said that, Solder is 29 years old. And he's nursed a whole slew of injuries over the past few seasons. He hasn't missed a ton of games because of those injuries. But part of me thinks that all-time, I mean, Chris, this is just my logic. All-time great quarterbacks. Do you remember anybody who played on the offensive line for Peyton Manning besides Jeff Saturday? No. No. Because all-time great quarterbacks make their offensive line look better. And, I, and so that's why I'm saying Solder's not exactly a bum. But I think that he's benefited a lot from Tom Brady's presence. That paycheck makes him one of the highest paid left tackles in the NFL. And if he can't stay healthy, or if it turns out that his play was predicated pretty heavily on Tom Brady's ability to get the ball out, call line protections well, diagnose a defense, then the Giants are absolutely, in the next year and a half to two years, are going to regret the hell out of this contract. How fast does Brady get the ball out? Pretty fucking quickly. That's what I'm saying. How often do Patriots pay people outside of Tom Brady? They don't pay anybody. So he's already got his Super Bowls. He's just looking for his payday. It's fucking brutal. Then I take a look at the Jaguars with the next one. And that's wide receivers Marquise Lee and Dante Moncrief. Marquise Lee got four years, $34 million, $8.5 million a year. That's more than Robert Woods is making. I'd like to point that out. And then Dante Moncrief, formerly of the Colts, on a one-year deal for $7 million. Now, this is a team that just cut Alan Hearns to save $7 million, who has proven he's had, mul- he's had multiple touchdowns in each of his NFL seasons, okay? Neither Marquise Lee nor Dante Moncrief has eclipsed 1,000 yards in their career. And between the two of them and their eight combined years in the NFL, they only have 26 total touchdowns between them. That's an average of three and a quarter per year. To see those types of wide receivers command that large of a paycheck for having proven nothing. 
speaks to what we talked about last week and that the poor upcoming wide receiver draft classes in the next two seasons have led teams to grossly overpay in this season's free agent market. And that brings me to my third worst pick, which is staying with the wide receiver position. Wide receiver Albert Wilson to the Dolphins on a three-year deal, $24 million, $8 million a year. Kind of going back to my previous comments about the other two. The contract Albert Wilson signed is absurd when you consider that the guy only has a handful of touchdowns and limited production in his jacket. And you can't blame his quarterback play for it. I mean, Albert Wilson played with Alex Smith, who made Dwayne Bowe a standout, right? Sure. but Tyreek Hill has flourished under Alex Smith. Yeah, but also factor in that... uh friend of the show and frequent wet frequent guest West? <laughs> yeah sorry i can't speak travis wingfield if you follow him on twitter which you should at wingfield nfl according to him sarcastically ryan Tannehill's right behind tom brady is the second best quarterback <laughs> in the nfl so you know that wingfield loves this signing on account of what he thinks Tannehill can get out of wilson Jesus I follow, I've, I've read his, his shit on Twitter about the signing of Albert Wilson, and I mean, I'm pretty get, sure he likes it. This is what I don't understand for the Dolphins. What I'm looking at here is a team that just signed Danny Amendola, right? Hero in the playoffs for the New England Patriots. Hero, in fact, he stepped up big all season. When you consider they lost uh, Julian Edelman early on, in the pre, early on in the preseason, and they needed somebody to show up on the wide receiver depth chart. And Amendola down the stretch really held it together for these guys. They paid him less money than Albert fucking Wilson. Who? What? I don't I don't understand it. It's it, to me, this guy just just to put this in perspective for Bills fans. Albert Wilson is going to be making almost as much money as Kelvin Benjamin is this upcoming season. Let's let that sink in for a second. And I guess it brings me to just a bunch of signings that don't seem to make any sense. What the fuck is happening right now? It starts for me with defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson. How's that weird? Well, okay, follow me here. He goes to the Vikings, formerly of the Jets and the Seahawks, goes to the Vikings on a one-year $8 million contract. The Vikings have one of the best front sevens in all of football. Their defensive line is one of the NFL's most productive units. And they are absolutely already getting paid like it. They have $30 million already invested in the big uglies up front before this signing got made. The NFL average, according to SportTrack.com, is only $25.5 million. The Vikings are now near the top of the league in spending at that position. They have almost 25% of their salary cap spent at just the defensive end and defensive tackle jobs. This signing does give them another dynamic defensive tackle to pair up against Lin- with Linville Joseph, who personally is one of my favorite defensive tackles to watch. I mean, the guy is the size of a goddamn mountain, and at the same time, his power is just incredible. There, there was a play last year where I watched him bench press an offensive lineman into the air off of his feet. That's It's incredible to me. 
But at the same time, you're soaking a ton of money into a unit that last season with the same players made it to the NFC Championship game. It's just curious and seems nonsensical to me that they've decided it was necessary to spend that much money on one part of the roster when one could argue the dollars would have been better spent elsewhere. Where where do you spend that money? Because I, for me, okay, you just added another rotational player to the defensive line, and I don't understand. NFC's got the best quarterbacks in, in football. You got Goff, you got Wentz, you got Stafford, you got Matt Ryan. Okay, so they're just going to continue to collapse the pocket even more and make it more difficult for their quarter other quarterbacks to make plays on that defense. I don't see how it sucks. I mean, I guess, and I guess on a one-year deal, it doesn't suck. It's just odd. Like I said, these are just weird signings to me that I don't, I don't see the logic in, and I guess this is why I'm not an NFL GM. I'll say it makes sense. Yeah, you don't have the teeth for it. <laughs> it's one year, so there's no long-term repercussions of it. But it seems like they're very much loading up to try to make a Super Bowl run next year. And if it happens, you're going to suck down that fucking, oh, that that orange creamy goodness. It's going to be great. In fact, I think you're going to have to drink I would a have pink to, one. I would have to drink like a purple one. Yes. Yeah, Vikings colors. Oh. And then the other signing that I couldn't really wrap my head around. Cornerback TJ Carey signs with the Browns four years, $31 million for a $7.5 million a year average. Hello, I've never heard of you before. TJ who? What? What? Carrie? K- Kareem? K- Car? I don't know who that is. K- never heard of the K- guy. The Browns signed this guy. Former seventh round pick of the Raiders to what is a sizable contract. When in reality, I have no, I love football and I have no clue who the fuck this guy is. It's like he's the new Larry Brown. <laughs> he's only been a starter two of his three seasons, and he was only in in 2017 because of injury. I mean, pro football focus graded him positively, but in four years, he has fewer interceptions than Trey White and only two more fumble recoveries. And last season, finished with just nine passes defended. I'm pretty sure Trey White ended most some games with more than that. The fact that he's making almost $8 million a year as a cornerback is crazy to me. It's not exactly breaking the bank, but to pay that kind of money for a guy that could be upgraded in the draft for a fraction of what that guy is making just doesn't seem to make sense to me, Chris. I don't get it. Oh, man. All right. I, I, but hey, I'm going to calm down. I'm, I've, I've refreshed my beverage here, folks. that ice cube off my table. Oh, that's why you're not an athlete. <laughs> oh, I miss his I missed his stupid gelled up hair by about 3 inches with an ice cube. It's a pomade, you cunt. It's a pomade. Who wears pomade to do a podcast? They can't no, I... see you, Chris. No one can see your stupid face. What if I take the trash out and this hot girl walks by and is like, "Ooh, this guy looks like he means something. Chris, you live near South Buffalo. There are no hot women in this neighborhood. Let's let's, hey, let's be honest. Hey, if you use Craigslist enough, <laughs> you can find hot women. That brings us to the Buffalo Bills free agency recap. So far, the first week, the Bills were busy. I mean, they did a lot more than I, I expected them to accomplish. 
And the way they went about doing it was interesting enough that I feel like it's worth talking about. Chris, let's break this all down. Starting with defensive tackle Star Lodalele. Come on, sweetie. No, don't be a bitch. Let's talk some numbers here. That's now, right. The numbers are finally out. It felt like we had to drag them out of people. Well, I think what are the, the people, the uh, listeners of our show want to know is who's drinking the Seagrams? Is it you or is that Kia driving bitch Mario Granada? <laughs> I would have to revisit because I actually don't remember the bet. I remember it was on term. Like he said something around like seven I'll have, to, I'll have to go find it because I know you find it and tell me, Chris. Because I think he's, I think he said he's going to come in between seven and eight, and you said it's more than like nine, nine and a oh, half. Oh, I knew it was going to be more because that's that's free agency. The contract itself, folks. Now that the numbers are finally out, because it, it felt like we had to wait forever for this. Five years, fifty million, twenty-four and a half guaranteed, ten million a year average. Now the guy's career highlights. 11 and a half sacks, 34, 34 tackles in his rookie season. In 2017, he was ranked 109th by Pro Football Focus in overall defensive tackle performance. 14 tackles, one sack. I mean, let's let's get down to brass tacks here. Oh wait, wait, oh wait, oh, I gotta pull up the text message I sent Mario on this. I I sent him a text with a screenshot because I was listening to his okay. presser for uh, audio, which. He said nothing of value, but I did send him. I don't. Did you watch the presser? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Here, I'll show you the picture. Look, I'm showing you the picture right now. That's okay. that's him. And then what I told Mario was, uh, doesn't he look like a delivery driver for Sears Home Goods? No doll he needed. He just <laughs> he just bear hugs your new washer and dryer combo off the truck and into your home and then pulls out the pen from his shirt sign here please because he does look at this I'm Chris, sh- tweet that out tweet that out look at right that. now because he does have a pen in his shirt oh my god he does guys, have a pen in his shirt go, go tweet that out right now folks you want to see the photo he's talking about go to at rock report on twitter star is a massive human being he's 6'3 311 pounds and has a fantastic anchor against the run Last year, the Bills nearly saw their playoff hopes derailed by a three-game skid that saw teams run the ball down our throat on a weekly basis. Specifically the Saints. It makes sense that addressing that was paramount come this offseason. Starr was drafted in McDermott's second season as defensive coordinator for the Panthers. That year, they ranked number two in rush defense. In the next three seasons, they ranked 16th, 4th, and 6th in yards allowed on the ground. Now, I understand that a lot of detractors of this deal, they're mad because like, well, the linebackers, they had elite linebackers. It does involve the linebacker core, in which Carolina was one of the best with Keekley and Thomas Davis. But the defensive line during that span was incredible as well. When you think about the fact that it had, you know, what was the Hardy, uh, what was his name? Whatever, Wife Beater Hardy and uh, Kawan Short, Charlie Johnson, Coney Ely, Mario Addison, all of these guys. But it's worth noting that before they added Starlota Lately to the equation, even with some of those players, they were, Greg ranked, Hardy. they were ranked 14th against the Rush. Pundits everywhere have been down on Lota Lately. When you take into account his performance in 2017, he fell off the map in terms of his career stat line and contributions. But you got to take into account the fact that that was his first season without Sean McDermott as his defensive coordinator. I mean, think about that. With McDermott there running the defense, that's the guy who, hey, who puts his, 
goes to the GM and says, hey, I mean, if you're Chris, let's just play this out. If you're a GM and you're going to draft a defensive tackle in the top 20 of the NFL draft, who's the person you're talking to about it? Your, G, your defensive coordinator, correct? Yeah. Okay. So it would make sense that McDermott knows this guy's strengths and weaknesses and can put him in positions to make to be productive. And then if he were to leave and somebody else were to step in and maybe not know those things, you could have a down season. I'm not making excuses. I'm just pointing things out. Now, he's not going to bring much in the way of pass rush. He's just not explosive when it comes to that part of his game. He's not going to be able to push the center of the pocket? No, no. But the, Well, the thing is, he's not going to account for many sacks on the, in the box score. He's more like Holote Nada, used to be of the Ravens. Nada very rarely got sacks, but he was a pocket collapser and a body occupier that makes the job of everybody around him easier. He might very well be the key to unlocking Jerry Hughes for another double-digit sack season, as well as keeping recently re-signed defensive tackle Kyle Williams from being double-teamed on almost every single down. I mean, to me, ultimately, the value of this signing is going to be seen in the performance of our defensive ends and in where we rank in rush stopping. It's worth noting that for as bad as he was statistically, he's still better than Darius and comes in at nearly $6.5 million a year less when you're talking about the price tag. I mean, Chris, I like the signing. What about you? I like it too because he looks like he works at Sears Home Goods. Like he delivered. That's what you want is a bunch of delivery men working on your defensive line? Yeah. He's going to deliver, collapse the pocket. And allow for Jerry Hughes and Trent Murphy to have some fun. Now, this next signing, you're right. This one I had to do some real some real research on, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. The last couple weeks, I feel like I've mailed it in during this podcast. But this weekend, I really dug in deep on Sunday. You mail it in every week. Made a bunch of, I made a bunch of cocktails on Sunday, did some real research. I feel like I'm back. I feel reinvigorated doing this type of stuff. And Trent Murphy was the catalyst for all that because I didn't know what to think of this guy. Contract is three million, three years, twenty-two and a half million, ten point three guaranteed, seven and a half million dollars per year average. His career highlights: he has fifteen total sacks, sixty-one tackles. Two thousand sixteen, his stat line read: nine sacks, twenty-seven tackles, fifty-five total pressures. Pro Football Focus is 10th ranked outside linebacker in pass rushing productivity. Now, on one hand, the signing would not seem to make sense considering the young, cost-controlled bodies that we already have at the defensive end position, Chris. Think about it. Shaq. Yes, Shaq has not found a role as a pass rusher yet. But he's he's stout against the run. Can I ask you this? Because of about Shaq Lawson. Signing Trent Murphy. Do you think the Bills could throw him in a deal? No. To and, get... here's, and here's why, Chris, because unlike you, I don't just read headlines. I do my fucking homework. No, I didn't read. You... I, I haven't seen anywhere yeah. where it said Shaq Lawson could be traded. So now I'm you just, shut I'm your just, mouth I'm just let asking. Me, let me, hit, much like White Goodman, let me hit you with some knowledge. Okay, now, right? I'm asking if it's a possibility that he could get traded. Shaq Lawson is still playing on a rookie deal. Therefore, he is cost-controlled, and while he doesn't really provide you much in the way of sacks, he is good at setting the edge in the run game. Now, Eddie Yarbrough and Ryan Davis were productive together in providing pressure. You know, it doesn't, again, 
Doesn't show up in the stat line, but they at least got pressure. We've also signed some cast off from the Giants, a former third-round pick. His name is Og. Probably not going to work here after the (laughs) preseason anyway. But Jerry Hughes has proven that he's capable of providing sacks when he's not double-teamed. Okay? But when you look at it in the overall sense of things, improving the depth and overall talent of our defensive line cannot be ignored. And given the moves the team has made to improve the overall talent of its defensive front, it's obvious that they saw it as a problem after looking at last season's tape. We simply didn't get enough sacks. We ranked 29th in the NFL in sacks. That's that, that's bad. That's Mike Waffles' fault. Say, I don't know if I don't know if you know this, but that's bad. That's Mike Waffles' fault. Now, what this is with Murphy is signing. It's signing a commodity at the lowest point of its value and banking on improved future returns. He's coming off of an ACL tear in the preseason that ended his entire 2017 season. But every year that he was worked as a pass rusher for the Washington Redskins, he saw improvement in that department. Now, here's where things get interesting. You think about how quickly he crime, Trent Murphy climbed the ranks of pass rushers in the NFL over his first three seasons. Former second-round pick, he had 40. He ranked 40 out of 40th out of 49 qualifying players and quarterback pressures. In 2015, he improved to 33 out of 52, and in his last year, he finished 10 out of 57. Heading into 2017, Pro Football Focus had him declared their secret superstar. Now, this is what I see. A review of his snaps, and this is why, to your point, you're t- you're asking me the question of whether or not he could make Shaq Lawson expendable. When you look at his overall snap count, not just the number, but when they came, he played in Washington while well, he saw all of these leaps and bounds in his pass rushing ability. He played almost exclusively as a pass rusher. That's it. His tackle numbers are low because he wasn't an early down player whatsoever. As far so as far as his utilization here, look at who he is. He's six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. He does not have the size to be a true defensive end and an edge setter against the run. He just doesn't have that. Or at least if he does, he has not proven it to this point in his career. So you're never going to be able to rely on this guy to be a three down defensive end. But you brought him in here knowing that, or at least I hope you did, okay? And at that price tag, you are really banking on him providing some spark to your pass rush because he's only going to be playing second long, third downs. What's that? A third of the game? Maybe a, qu- a quarter of the game? Sure. So to if me, he does work. So to me, this signing is kind of, I'm middle of the road. If I had to assign it a letter grade, I'd say it's a B with the possibility to become an A if he comes on as a pass rusher. But we don't know because he's always played in the 3-4 defense and primarily only on passing downs. That's it. That's my takeaway. Then we signed Raphael Bush, veteran strong safety. Cheap contract, two years, three and a half million, nine hundred thousand guaranteed. Cost is almost nothing. The guy's career highlights: two sacks and one hundred and forty-one tackles. He's—it's nothing to write home about. I mean, at this point in his career, he's not much more than a special teams player. 
which is fine because the Bills have one of the best starting safety tandems in the AFC. But unlike Shamarco Thomas and Colt Anderson, Bush has proven over his career that he can be a solid backup if the need arises. Because he's not injured. Which is what I'll take. I will take guys who can come in and play. I mean, when Trey Elston was starting for us, yes, he did okay. But when he had to start because of injury, when he was playing in that Raiders game, and they were playing Trey Elston in the single high safety, my my heart was in my throat. Every single time there was a play-action pass. Because I'm just like, holy shit, you're trusting this undrafted free agent rookie <laughs> to guard the back end. So at least we have another backup back there who's proven he can hold down the fort if need be. Speaking of backups, the Bills made news yesterday. Right before we recorded, I had to adjust the rundown. Once again, Brandon Bean fucking up my show. The Bills went out and they signed a pair of depth offensive linemen. Starting with center Russell Bodine. Now the details money-wise aren't out on these yet, but they're worth talking about. Russ Bodine's here for two years. His career highlights, he's been a four-year starter since being drafted in the fourth round. Hasn't missed a game in his career. Now last night, I asked NFL draft writer and Bengals fan Joe Godberry via Twitter what he thought of Bodine. The guy has taken a lot of flack from the analytics crowd and from a lot of the fan base. So I wanted to get the skinny on what it is he truly brings to the table. Godberry agreed with popular opinion, stating that while Bodine has in fact been durable, he hasn't improved even by a marginal amount since the Bengals drafted him as a fourth-round project. Now, here he will represent a backup to compete with Ryan Groy for the starting job coming out of training camp. He's got experience, which obviously McDermott likes, but I think it's worth noting that he gave up a lot of negative plays during his tenure with Cincinnati, often in the running game. Now, when you consider how much the Bills rely on the rushing attack, I don't think that Bodine should should be viewed as anything other than a backup candidate. I mean, Chris, you have to have a starting center, so it makes sense to go get a guy who's cheap and is also just going to be a backup. Yeah, he's going to come in and replace... And he's got durability. He's going to come in and replace Ryan Groy, because Ryan Groy should be the starter as of now, depending on what you do in the draft. Well, yeah, but, but so my point is, is that in reality, when I'm looking over this all, people freaking out about the signing, don't don't get your hopes up, because this guy hopefully will not be our starter in 2018. And then, on the other side of the offensive line, right tackle Marshall Newhouse signs a one-year contract Career highlights, 70 NFL starts. The guy got to play in front of Eli Manning, Derek Carr, and Eric Rodgers. And last season, he started 14 games. Now, like Bodine, Newhouse isn't a sexy name, and he's not a talent that people were just falling all over themselves to obtain when he got cut by the Raiders. But the guy does have a ton of previous starting experience. And he brings that to a position that absolutely needs competition. Because we've talked about it a million times in this show. Jordan, Jordan Mills. Mills might be one of the worst starting right tackles in the NFL. Yeah, it's like you're overseeing Jordan Mills. so I, would, I have I, watched I, Cameron I, Wake pull down Jordan Mills' pants and spake him in front of millions of people too many times. I, I assume, I'm done. I assume you like the signing... Based on that, that gives Jordan Mills some comp 
and it might push him to a backup, and this guy might start. Again, depending on what we do in the draft, if we get a right tackle in the draft. Well, at the same time, Marshall Newhouse has also played left tackle, right tackle, and guard. So he can be your swing-slash-backup guy, which you need in today's NFL. You have to have it, because injuries do happen. Then behind that, there was a lot of uh, just kind of ancillary moves. You got your linebackers, Julian Stanford, running back, Travaris Cadet, you know, both of those guys are, I mean, Travaris Cadet's probably the biggest one out of these entire names. Travaris, he showed ability as a backup last season before that just awful. Injury. I was going to ask you, is that the guy that shattered his ankle? Yes, that was him. Cool. He's going to compete for special team snaps and hopefully a backup role as a running back. I mean, I'd like to see them, you know, the Chris Ivory signing means we've probably got our, t- and now bringing Cadet means we probably have our three running backs going into the next season. That's... I hate to say it. They also signed Taiwan Jones, who I think is nothing more than a camp body, and I think the same thing a linebacker Julian Stanford. Ramon Old Man Humber. Anybody who remembers the Opie and Anthony show, Ramon. That's all I can think of. I fucking hate. I hate. The f- He's like a cockroach. No matter what you do, you can't seem to kill him. He's solid, but he's not impressive. And as he gets older, that's not going to change. So I don't know why he's still kicking around our roster. I don't. I thought you would have loved that movie. Or that, sorry, that movie. That, that movie. move. That move. Bring him back, Ramon Hubbard. But, I mean, we did sign that one guy that you like. Oh, yeah, that one guy. Who was that? Oh, yeah, that's quarterback A.J. McCarron. Roll Tide! Woo! His contract is two years, $10 million, 7.9 guaranteed. $5 million a year average. Career highlights. Two wins against Baltimore and San Francisco. 66.4 completion percentage. 97.1 passer rating in four starts. McCarron is interesting. I mean, he anytime you sign a quarterback, it's interesting. At the same time, folks are acting as though he could, should be our starter. And for those of you, you got to pump the friggin' brakes. Well, who else is it going to be? Is it either him or Nathan Baderman? You, you and I both know that that's false. Oh, I mean, we or do we? Because the smoke screen yeah. is real. We don't know right now. McCarron should start, depending on what we do in the draft. He, My one message to him is: you leave that ranch dressing at the Alabama border, <laughs> you hick. <laughs> McCarron is far from a polished passer, Chris. I, I mean, let's 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 face it. 2015, he started three games for the Bengals, and he went 2-1. and one. Should have arguably won a playoff game if it wasn't for the fact that Vontez Perfect is one of the biggest pieces of human garbage to ever set foot on a football field. But in those games, he wasn't exactly anything to write home about either. Now, this is one of those things where the analytics crowd in the run-up to free agency, everybody talked about A.J. McCarron. A.J. McCarron could be great. He could. There could be a lot of action for this guy. Let me let me explain to you why there wasn't. His accuracy is a plus. Okay, you talk about his completion percentage. But he failed to throw more than 200 yards in any game during that stretch. So if you were excited about Tyrod Taylor throwing for uh, 10 for 16 for 125 yards, we've just upgraded to A.J. McCarron. 13 <laughs> for 20, 175 yards. He only Get excited. Ma- the guy only managed six touchdowns and threw two picks. And he's nowhere near the athlete that Tyrod Taylor was. 
So it's going to remove that element from his game. The positives of the signing are hard not to like. I mean, he's a low-cost veteran option with the potential for upside. He has accuracy. And as a starter at Alabama, I got to watch him make a ton of fantastic plays. And essentially, he illustrated that while not possessing the strongest arm in the world, he's got a feel for the game and he's got okay vision, which allows him to be a functional quarterback who does take care of the football. Didn't we like, didn't we save like seven million by signing him, yes. dumping Tyrod, and we added a draft pick? And that's why I like this signing. We still have a guy who can be the backup slash starter insurance policy if you don't land a starting quarterback in this draft. And really, when you look back to 2015, one of the other things, Chris, one of the stats that jumped out to me, he averaged 4.43 average air yards per attempt, which ranked him ninth in the NFL. Okay, ninth behind quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, uh, Tyrod Taylor. So, when you think about it, he was still throwing the ball downfield. It wasn't like he was taking the safe dink and dunk passes. I mean, that's I guess that's my thing. He's still a quarterback who can push the ball down the field, but also protect the quarterback and complete passes at a high level. So it's just, can he be a starter? I don't think so. I, I don't believe that. But in college, he proved that if you paired him with a solid rushing attack and a stout defense, and he's a three-time national champion. He can perform at at least an average level for a starting NFL quarterback. And for the money, that makes his signing a bargain for the Buffalo Bills. Hey, I like it. I mean, it's not Tyrod Taylor. I'm ready to see somebody else at quarterback. I've had enough of Tyrod. You know, who knows what we do in the draft? We don't know what we're doing no one knows. No one knows. And guys, there's still signings to come. I know it. I mean, you look at some of the visits we've taken recently. You've got middle linebacker Kevin Minter. The team still lacks a true starting middle linebacker. Minter, the guy has had productive seasons over his career. Twenty-seven. He's 27 years old. He still has some ability if you put him in the right system. I, I With a defensive tackle group that can keep him clean, I think it's possible that he could become at least a placeholder for a future starting middle linebacker. They've also hosted Will Compton, which uh, middle linebacker formerly out of Washington, which tells you that the interest in upgrading that position is real. Now it's just finding the right fit. I mean, even today they brought in Carlos Dansby, who I forgot even played NFL football. I thought he retired, honestly. As much as I like him being a follower of Auburn Tiger football, I thought he was I thought he was already out of the league. And then wide receiver Deontay Thompson. I know that everybody's stressed out about the fact that we have not signed a, a deep threat yet. We don't have a speed wide receiver option on the roster yet. But there is rumors of interest between both Deontay Thompson and the Buffalo Bills in getting a deal done. It's just, what is the price tag? Provi- the guy provided the Bills with a vertical threat last season out of nowhere. And showed his worth when you think back to those game-changing plays he made in the Tampa games and the Indy game. Those he he I would say made some of the biggest plays in that game against Tampa. What yeah. do you have? 124 yards? I think so. The on four I, catches. I I don't remember that because what happened with Indianapolis totally blocks out 
what happened with Tampa. See, what I think is that I catch. Think, I think Thompson's a guy that we could and should do a deal with because he has a want to be here. He has a familiarity, familiarity with the coaching staff, with everybody else, and he could be that deep threat that we kind of need just to stretch the field because right now we've got just a stable of possession guys. That's all I'm thinking. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, there's still a bunch of guys out there who don't have contracts. There's a lot of high-end free agents. Jordan Matthews still doesn't have a contract. And Damakung Sue. I mean, Ryan Grant got signed before Jordan Matthews. That's he got signed. Somebody signed him. The Colts one-year deal. Okay. Well, I, so, I I did see that he he failed his physical with some team. See, folks. So the news is going to be coming fast and furious over the next few weeks. It's going to be important to pay attention to it. Because I still feel like there's moves out here to be made for the Buffalo Bills. Guys, thank you so much for showing up tonight. I want to give a big shout out to Jay over at uh, Wise Guys Pizza for getting me involved in a uh, Twitter conversation about trying Pepper X. That's right, Pepper X. Because I jokingly, jokingly made a comment to the Pucker Butt Pepper people about how uh, these new peanuts that you're trying to roll out to rival the Pocky One Chip Challenge. I made a joke about how bad I've had your Reaper sauce. I survived it. This is going to be child's play. Somehow, the pucker butt people and the wise guys, he already buys from them. He buys his Reaper sauce from them. So he started commenting on the post saying, hey, guess what? Hey, you should send us some of that Pepper X. This guy will try it in my shop. And I'm like, what the fuck? What did you just sign me up for? (laughs) Folks, I have no idea where this is going to land, but stay tuned because I think it could be hilarious. Yeah, hopefully in uh, July, <laughs> the hottest month for us in Buffalo. The hottest month and the hottest hot sauce on the face of the year. We had this whole podcast recorded and done, and then news happened. Back to the microphones. What happened? We have a responsibility to bring news to our fans and dissection of it. Surprisingly, Zay Jones. Surprisingly, people want to hear your opinion. Zay Jones has been arrested. Here's what we know. He was nude. He damaged property. He was arrested pending possible felony charges of destruction of property. Here's what I'm willing to say about it at this point. I'm not going to make any excuses for what Zay Jones did. But his reaction doesn't sound like a rational one. And certainly marijuana can't be pointed to as the uh, catalyst for this incident. As a college student, I occasionally, well, (laughs) more than occasionally, Got high enough to put most people to sleep. I didn't try it until after I got divorced. All I know is that while I was doing it, I never wanted to fight or risk injuring myself. So I can't imagine that that played a role in tonight's events. So that leads me my mind to wander as to what might have caused this. Okay. Ultimately, the guy didn't hurt himself or anyone else. And for that, we can all be thankful. But I'll say this right fucking now. How dare any of you act like you haven't had a night that ended with you naked in front of someone that you related to or cared about? Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> Seriously. 
You're going to tell me that you've never just gotten so intoxicated on whatever it may be that you didn't end up in a position you didn't want to be in. Drew, I bet if we right now contacted Doug Verlosky and Dave Kateris, they would say that, that's a typical uh, Wednesday night for you. <laughs> also, some of you out there, you call yourself supporters of the team. Sometimes that requires you to not pile on with the national media when it comes to our players until all of the appropriate information has been brought to light. I mean, think of it. People are already calling him a psychopath, talking about the Bills should cut him. It's fucking absurd. The guy had a bad night that got caught on tape. Are you crazy? If you had caught most of my weekends on tape, or every I'd be Tuesday. fired from podcasting for free. <laughs> it's incredible to me that there's so many people who call themselves fans. You say you support these players. You wear the jerseys. And then when something like this happens... You turn on them so quickly on social media because it's easy. It's knee-jerk reaction central. You're actually I would say you're actually the 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 opposite way of what at least we're seeing initially on on Twitter. Because if, if you watch some of the videos that we put out during the season, you weren't that high on Say Jones with his on the field, <laughs> but you're willing to back the player off the field. Absolutely. As as should anybody. Listen, you call yourselves Bill's Mafia, right? You're part of it, and so are they. So guess what? Support them. You don't snitch, you you support them, and you stick together. That's what we're all about. That's, it's a community thing. Well, guess what? Until he's proven to me that he's done anything worth, <laughs> worth not giving a damn, worth me cutting ties with him, him getting drunk, kicking a hole through a window, and maybe bleeding a little bit through a hallway. Okay. All right. Guess what? I've done that more times than I can count. I wouldn't so be surprised I'm if going you did to it reserve this past judgment. And I urge everybody listening to the show do the same. Because ultimately, you're talking about a young guy, emotional season. Think about it. You have a family full of NFL players who have all been, become more accomplished than you. You had one bad season. I'm not trying to make excuses for the kid. What I'm trying to do is lay out the landscape of what his life might be like. Because you don't know that. You sitting in your cubicle. You listening to this while you deliver mail. You listening to this while you... I don't, I don't know what the hell you guys are doing out there. What I'm saying is before you rush to judgment... Get the facts. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Okay? This is one of those incidents where I'm willing to stand here and say that I've done shit that's so much worse. And yet, I'm not incarcerated. I'm not in any trouble. I have a great job. I love it. Give the same respect to this guy. Let this situation play out before you cast judgment. That's all I can ask. Guys, I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. 
And this has been the Rock Power Report.